We have to go back! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing Homeward Bound, Homeward Bound, <gasps> the incredible journey known as Homeward Bound. Dogs are friends with the cat and they go on a journey. How about that? Look out. We're reviewing Homeward Bound. I 100% believe that every lyric was written down when you <laughs> sang it. Sold. No, good, good. Uh, we are reviewing Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey because Spider-Man colon Far From Home is swinging into theaters um, on a Tuesday. It's already out. We did not expect this to happen so quickly. But we had to do the day after tomorrow. It just had to fit into the yeah, schedule. It needed to happen, and we have no regrets. There's no turning back. It's on this really incredible bad. journey. And yes, the animals are far from home. And other than it also being a colon title, that's the extent of the connection. And you know what? We've done flimsier. <laughs> so, in case you don't remember uh, Homeward Bound, I'm going to take you back a little bit. So, Homeward Bound is the movie uh based off of uh, another movie i so this is a remake i didn't realize that this movie was a remake um mm. of a disney movie so the whole live action recreation of movies that disney has been doing uh in recent year they basically did that so in 1963 i believe yeah. um they made a movie called the incredible journey with you know, three animals, like two dogs and a cat, making a journey through uh, the Canadian wilderness, you know, way back in the day. The main difference being that the animals did not have a voiceover voice. So you're just watching a Disney nature documentary. Yeah, that was kind of common, too. Like, the bear, if you've ever seen that, there's no voiceover. You're just following two bears in the... I guess it's one, it's not the bears. It's mainly following a single bear through the woods. And it sounds like it was very similar to this, where you kind of uh, just pick up on what they might be feeling um, instead of being, you know, kind of helped along with the voiceover. Right. Um, And then that itself was based on a 1960s book of the same name. Sheila Burnford, which is a nod to the Burnford family, in this movie. Oh. There you go. Connections. So she based her novel on real life pets that she had. Um, she had three animals that were her constant companions in England during World War II. Uh, and the pets themselves were inseparable. To quote her, they were closer than any other dog and cat relationship I had ever seen. Uh, so she had an uh, English bulldog terrier and a Siamese cat at the time, and they would sleep in the same blanket, hunt and play together. Um, and then later, a young Labrador was added to the mix, and the pup guarded the older dog when the uh, bull terrier's eyesight began to fail. So with that kind of kinship among animals, she decided to write the incredible journey um uh, less than a year after its publication it became an international bestseller and disney is like oh what's that you, you you're making money 
we want to make money. And so then uh, they took two years to make uh, this first movie in 1963 because I watched a trailer for it online. And it's one of those movie trailers where you can tell it was made in old timey times because they basically tell you the entire plot. And then they punctuate it at the end with, remember, if you want a timeless classic, don't forget to watch a Disney film like they they insert themselves into the trailer like just as a brand like Disney's number one for family branding people really love this movie and um I think it's it's undersold a lot of the time as just being something that didn't really keep up to date because this doesn't like move the animal mouths or anything like you would see in a modern animal film Mm -hmm. and I love that it was, uh, I think it's a lot easier to watch when the mouths aren't moving. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, I understand. There's like some kind of animal telepathy happening. Uh, yeah. But yeah. No, I always love when movies um, draw inspiration from like real life, like Garfield. Garfield, his mouth doesn't move, but mm. you know his thoughts yeah. about things, except mm. for when he actually does speak. It's like the animal stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The movie itself is semi self-explanatory. The animals make an incredible journey, um, but the movie follows a golden retriever, Shadow, an American bulldog, Chance, and a Himalayan cat, Sassy, as they trek through the wilderness of the American Northwest uh, to be reunited with their owners. Uh, Shadow is voiced by uh, Don Amechi. Amici. Uh, thank you. Uh, Chance is played by Michael J. Fox and Sassy by Sally Field. And both uh, Michael J. Fox and Sally Field would return for the sequel, along with a slew of other bigger names in the second one because this movie did well. And uh, this was Don Amici's last film before he died that he got to see released. He had one more that came out the year after he died, but... um, he had a tremendous film career, and so this was kind of the, the cap to that. And I know how to pronounce Don Amici because my parents went to church with him. No way! Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. am. Because I pronounced it exactly like you did uh, yesterday, and they said, <clears throat> Amici. <laughs> and I said, bless you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and this movie did do well, it, though the budget is unknown um, it, it made $41 million at the box office, and we, you don't have to pay animals because what are they going to do with it except for bury it in the backyard like most actors? Um, I assume that it did very, very well um, margin-wise, which is why they decided to make sequels because you don't get sequels unless you make several millions. Mm-hmm. Um, and Homeward Bound... Um, sequel was called homeward bound to colon lost in san francisco based on the novel pushed by sapphire uh, which was in itself based off of a very uh confusing trip to san francisco because you know gps wasn't as commonly uh distributed at the time mm-hmm. is what it's, i'm assuming yeah. that movie is about yeah mm-hmm. i think it's also a crossover with the room um and <laughs> They're all his favorite doggy. Too early for headcanon, Grayson. You're <laughs> just blowing also, through Also everything. too early for sequelary. So <laughs> strike two. Uh, yeah. 
we'll make it eventually. Yeah. We'll just do a whole uh, San Francisco sequel area with like this, Babe picking the city. It'll be, I, I don't know, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, maybe. I'm trying to think of sequels that take place in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, seasons one through eight of Full House. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the, the Planet of the Apes uh, prequels. Uh, yeah. Okay, That's well, great. good, good. We're yeah. set. <laughs> this was not my first time watching this movie, but it sure felt like it. <laughs> I I remember watching this movie um, as a kid. I want to say I saw it, like, at daycare a lot. Uh, but I feel like I saw trailers for... Homeward Bound more times than I actually watched the full movie because the thing I remember the most is the porcupine scene. Yes. Um, like just aggressively. I just remember that like so aggressively vividly well. But what I don't remember is crying my eyes out um, during that last scene uh, with Shadow. Uh, I... Like, I knew, like, I remember how it ended. I remember what happened. And there's a sequel, so you're like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. but when, man, oof, I may just get emotional just talking about it. When Shadow hobbled over the hill, I was done. There yeah. was dialogue exchanged, but I was too busy crying, weeping, sobbing, just ex. Spelling emotion. It was just yeah. so beautiful. Oh, I, I I loved it. Yeah, they really build the emotion uh, and the tension well in that scene too, because they give you they don't do like a text three weeks later or anything like that, but it is. It's like weeks later when they found out that they were at the pound, they pulled them out of a Halloween play that they were rehearsing, and then at the end of that sequence they put a turkey down for thanksgiving so they were still out there for like another three weeks trying to get him out of that pit and you just never see it because whenever they had the exchange of like now you're my real dad kind of thing you know when they're playing basketball uh i was watching this with my family and and my wife was like how how long was this gap like that seemed like a really quick emotional change for printing a flyer and like no this was like a month that we have seen them go through um but because they don't benchmark it with text they just put kind of clues in which i really liked i thought that was a great directorial choice and i wish more movies did that of wow. being like there are christmas lights in the back or whatever just to kind of imply uh what time of year it is die hard uh so i uh was a big fan of a lot of the directorial choices. And I had seen this too many times when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I, I feel like this falls into a very specific trilogy for me of Homeward Bound, The Bear, as I mentioned, and uh, Milo and Otis of just ah, yes. animals being animals going out and having animal adventures, some with voiceover, some without and I think the main thing that I appreciated rewatching it this time was the the choices of Dwayne Dunham, the director. This was his first major film to direct, but he has had an incredible career in editing. Um, and he's worked on the editing teams uh, for Indiana Jones and uh, Star Wars and several of 
these major franchises. Um, I mean, Halloween Town. He was the director of Halloween Town, which oh, yeah. is probably why they had a Halloween play. You have oh, to yeah. do it. Um, but oh, and the Big Green, which we need to do eventually. But he. Uh, when you realize that he comes from the editing world, this movie makes so much more sense because the question that I think the viewer has when they watch this movie is, how did they get them to do that? Like, how did they train the animals? And a lot of it is the animal training, but for a huge amount of these sequences, it's just really quick cuts, and this movie lives and breathes in the edit. And so I, th- I think that's really just a testament to uh, Dwayne Dunham's abilities of saying, I am an editor. I have this idea for how I can make this movie work, and I'm going to use my editing background to bring it to life. And um, that is something that I was able to appreciate fresh for the first time, really watching uh, this movie decades after I had first seen it, uh, which was a really cool experience. Yeah. And speaking of the animal actors, um, Chance and Shadow were each played by four different dogs. Mm-hmm. And there were 10 cats that uh, were in the litter for um, the role of Sassy. Uh, the extra animals were brought in uh, anytime the main actors needed a break um or if you needed stunt cats because um there were so many like stunts that were happening and i was just so impressed like i there are several moments throughout this movie where i just audibly gasped and i was watching this with my wife and she's like you've seen this movie right i'm like i mean yes yes i have but these animals are just doing it's not like you, you throw like a standing dog in front of a green screen. Like they are being, these animals are being projected into the air. They yeah. are taking flight. They are falling. Like when shadow fell through that little wooden shaft thing, I, I audibly gasped. I clutched my pearls and I, I was, I was just, and like I, they, yeah. I was just so impressed with with their performance. I think we just learned a lot about Ricky, but I <laughs> I agree that that specific moment because he is like covered in mud and sinking into the the earth, and it's like hashtag justice for Artax, <laughs> and it's really really difficult to watch. Uh, and it's I yeah I I just I kind of wonder what they they were very specific in the um in the credits. Of this was supervised by the ASPCA. This is like it, we had tons of supervision for these animals, and uh, I don't know. I just I feel like this is one of those movies that if you tried to remake it today, there would be so much red tape around it, it just wouldn't get made. But um, by all accounts, like they they did their due diligence in making sure that these animals were safe, and it just existed like I said, in the edit of making it uh, feel more dangerous than it actually was. Right. Yeah, which is just great movie making. It is. Yeah. Speaking of great movie making, Grayson, I would be remiss, Grayson. Oh, no. I would be remiss in my responsibilities mm-hmm. um, as a podcast host to, um, to, to exclude this information because this movie is such a timeless movie. It only really exists in its purest form on Laserdisc. Because, Grayson, when you watch this, I'm sure um, 
it was like cropped, right? Was it was it cropped when you saw it? Like a four by three aspect ratio? I want to say yes. Okay, so it wasn't like a widescreen. I couldn't see the edges through the tears. I thought that was, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I thought it was by design. Yeah, part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the only version that you can find of widescreen of Homeward Bound, yeah, is on Laserdisc. Oh. Wow, that's a choice. That uh, otherwise, the widescreen version of the movie does not exist. There, you cannot get a DVD with a widescreen version of Homeward Bound. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I wonder why that is. That's kind of like uh, the the version control that we saw with Muppet Christmas Carol, where they're like, "I'm pretty sure there's a song here," mm-hmm. um, but Laserdisc is the. Uh, the true and rightful heir of yep. the four by three. Interesting. Yeah. Which is why I am choosing now to propose to you, Grayson, that we go on a homeward bound, incredible journey to find the laser disc <laughs> of this movie. I heard there's a guy in the Canadian wilderness and we have to get there on foot. All right. We're going to cross the Sierra Nevada to, to get there. Um, <laughs> Well, and Ricky, I would be remiss. I'd be remiss as a co-host if I did not bring back one of my favorite segments called "Just Don't Overthink It." We're we're still workshopping the title. So I guess my biggest takeaway this time is you you know the the animal the dogs and the cats can communicate with each other, but no other animal can communicate with them. I mean, even the rabbit, who is also, uh, I mean, rabbits are pets. I get that. I mean, they come across raccoons, skunks, bears, uh, a mountain lion. Mountain lions are giant cats, and they still can't communicate with them. It's not until they get to the pound that any other animal is really able to. I mean, the fish that they're eviscerating, nothing. So. Yeah. I mean, I. I mean, I would chalk that up to uh, domestication, um, but also mm-hmm. uh, just don't think too much about it. Oh, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I won't do that. But I really do think that it's a teacup problem. <laughs> right? Why are they the faceless, voiceless teacups in the background of Beauty and the Beast? Why are they left to just give long stares into the camera while we can hear the thoughts of Michael J. Fox, Sally Fields, and Don Amici. Why? That I have no answer for. Um, investigate further. <laughs> but you know what? I guess I guess at the end of the day, I'm just not going to overthink it. Okay. I'm not going to think too much about it. That's fair. One of these That's days fair. we'll agree on the title of this. We segment. will. <laughs> I I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I did think about that. I'm just like, oh, yeah, because there are other like dogs and cats and. I I would assume that they would just pick up the language just being around humans. You know what? That makes sense. That makes sense to me. Those who were around humans picked up language, and those who were not were left to their primitive animal ways. But they didn't even talk to each other. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the whole, uh, like, when they were holding up the phone to uh, Shadow, he's like, I never understand what they're saying every time they do this. And Sass is like, yeah, but humor them. And so he barked. Yeah. Uh, because he understands the humans, 
to some degree. Um, but I, I, I also got a, a big uh, Rograts vibe oh. from like just oh. how, mm-hmm. you know, Rograts, like their parents are talking to these babies and babies have like very limited understanding of like what they're saying. Yeah. Um, but they also are left up to their own interpretation of what the meaning of those things are. Right. Like, um, like Chance, you know, he's like, yeah, I was in the pound. Like, very All Dogs Go to Heaven as, uh, like, yeah, I served my time, but I'm out now, and I can't go back. And so, um, like, they associate the pound with, you know, doing time. Yeah. Um, and even though, you know, the the veterinarians were like, helping him he's like i'm not being tortured like that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but yeah i i i took that to be a lot of their perspective is like they they have their own animal association to what things were like uh, again the way that shadow broke my heart yeah. so many times um was he's like who's gonna watch over you like he needs me i'm just like oh oh no Shadow, stop breaking my heart every act be, act break. Like he, ah, <laughs> uh, he's just so great. And, yeah, uh. it is really easy to identify the act breaks in this movie because it's also when the heart breaks. Mm-hmm. And that's just good plotting. Um, <laughs> one other memory I had from this was I. This is such a small detail. I'm curious as to if it even registered. But when the family is in the car and they're driving away for the first time, Jamie in the middle seat, he has this magnetic toy that has like a spinner on it. It kind of spins up. Yes. Yeah. I honed in on that so intensely when I was a kid. It was like seven years after. No, that's way too much time. That makes me sound insane. It was like two years after I saw this movie. I went to a museum that had the same spinner. And I said, that's what the kid from Homeward Bound has. I have to have that spinner toy. And I played with that toy for hours. Anyway, that that was a random connection. Because when I saw it, I went, that's right. That's why I got that toy and played with it. Because of that five second scene with Jamie in the car. And that is the flashback of Grayson's original film, the brave little magnetic spinny toy thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. he's moved and he has to find its way home. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that toy, but it was a very cool (laughs) piece of, uh, it was back when, you know, toys were the peak of their technology was magnets Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those. But it is, I, I think, finally, the last thing that I, I really, really appreciated about this movie was um, the tightness of the road trip movie. And that really what is what it is. Um, and when you think about it, like so many of our films were, like growing up, were road trip movies to some extent. Uh, we, we have to cross a great expanse of physical space and I think this movie was probably one of the, the earliest ones for me uh, that kind of defined what that journey looks like. And so when you think about movies that help your film literacy as a, as a kid, uh, this was incredibly important in my development. So, uh, yeah, it was great 
rewatching it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one one of the things that I think was really impressive was was how they were able to kind of rebrand the movie because they originally, you know, it was called The Incredible Journey and they could have just called it that. Mm-hmm. But instead they went with, you know, Homeward Bound, which I think is very sweet. Yeah. Um I am proposing that we do that with this podcast, Grayson. Oh yeah. I say that we call this podcast Headcanon. Headcanon. <laughs> Colon the Incredible Journey. Yes. Uh, Headcanon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, so, Grayson, yeah. do you remember one of the last happy moments uh, that happened between Shadow and his boy um, right before they got sent off to the farm? Well, I remember how Shadow was introduced, and uh, I think it was the same thing. I think they were playing basketball. Oh, yes, Grayson, they were. <laughs> they were playing basketball. I was... thought they might have. <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah. My headcanon, Grayson, uh-huh. is that Homeward Bound, yeah. ignoring all timelines, sure. is Air Buds Logan. That is crazy. I wrote that down verbatim in my notes here. Look at this. <laughs> no way. To, yeah, I want you to, to look to look at this here. So it says, Shadow is old Airbud. This is the Logan story. In parentheses, I know I did this last week, but <laughs> because I did the same thing with Storm for day after tomorrow. Um, yeah, no, you're right. So let's just riff on that. No, uh, I love it. Yeah, it starts with him playing basketball. He jumps the fence in a similar way. Right. It's a road trip movie like Logan for the benefit of a little kid. Yeah. Yeah, this is Logan. Yeah. The incredible journey. The incredible journey. Nice. Um, yeah. Did you have a follow-up to that? Did you have a second headcanon? Let's see. Oh, yeah. Period. No, um... My other bit of headcanon um, kind of has to do with, um, I, I guess, technically, it dips a little bit into uh, Recast Remake, but are you familiar with the very popular um, A Dog's Purpose Now oh. franchise? Yes. Well, I, I know the um, the Marine Life uh, spinoff A Dog's Porpoise. No one would know a love of a dog and a porpoise quite like this. What an incredible friendship. A bond between land and water. Yes. A dog's porpoise. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, So basically, um, using that logic um, or that premise, um, which is also... Uh, I don't know if you remember this movie. There's a movie called Fluke. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember yeah, Fluke. Yeah, I remember Fluke very vividly. Um, uh, fluke, and- colon, there it is. <laughs> fluke, there it is. Fluke, fluke. <laughs> um, so uh, kind of bridging those two uh, premises, just the the uh, kind of the incarnation or the reincarnation of those um, animals to animal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um Finally explains to me why Michael J. Fox would voice an animal that just wanted to find a home and be adopted and have his own family. 
That's... Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right here... Are we two in, for two? In my notes, says... Number two, circle. Cloud Atlas with Stuart Little. <laughs> well, that's better. That's just objectively better. The sentence, Cloud Atlas, Stuart Little. I love that. So, yeah, oh, we're on wow. the same page. We are literally. Two for two I'm looking kid. at the page. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's it. That's, that's all my head cannon. <laughs> All right, now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast. Remake. Recast. <laughs> Meow remake. Um, so if this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Mm-hmm. Grayson, yeah. since I took all all the head candidate, I will let you take the lead. <laughs> uh, all right, sure. So uh, I did two different kinds of recasting for this. First, I recast the uh, voice actors. And secondly, I recast the animals themselves um, oh. with other famous, you know, pet actors. So uh, for Chance, uh, originally played by Michael J. Fox and Rattler the dog, I um, had Jake Johnson and I would get, I don't know, I mean, let's not, let's not overthink it too much, uh, get Petey. From uh, Little Rascals. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Or the dog from those Target ads. And then <laughs> uh, for Sassy the Cat, uh, originally voiced by Sally Fields and played by Tiki the Cat, I had Kate McKinnon. Yes. And um, I'd want to get that cat that was in the new Pet Cemetery. Because <laughs> uh, that cat that cat can go through some stuff and come out the other side. Yeah. And uh, then finally... Uh, the, uh, Shadow, the dog, played by Ben, that's the dog's name is Ben, uh, and voiced by Don Amici. Uh, I was so convinced that this was who it was the first time that the recast, this is the easiest recasting I've ever had, uh, Brian Cranston. Don <laughs> yeah. Amici sounds almost exactly like Brian Cranston, and of course we would get Airbud to play the the physical dog, but yes. Brian Cranston, this sent me off on a whole new. I'm blending recast and remake together in this. This is a, an on ramp to it. Uh, his vocal performance would be so spot on that it it just made me really want to redo all of Breaking Bad with dogs and call it Barking Bad. <laughs> Um, or bad dogs, either one. So, I mean, even this, the kinds of things Shadow says, where he's like, who's going to watch over you? Who's going to wait for you to come home from school? Wait for the, at the foot of the bed when you sleep. You'll come back. I know you'll come back. I just think it would be perfect. Oh, man. Hashtag barking bad. Barking bad. So then maybe maybe Chance needs to be played by Aaron Paul. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I think oh, it would work, man. and I think people would be about it. Oh, man. I love it. And they make catnip and sell it to cats. Well, that's uh, perfect, Grayson. Mm-hmm. No one's going to top that. Let's cook. Uh, so my, my only recast and remake had um, everything to do with literally just looking at the artwork of... Homeward Bound, before I even like rewatched the movie, I had already done recasting. 
so Shadow would be played by Chris Evans because he is a golden retriever. Um, <laughs> Chance would be played by Paul Rudd. Oh, and uh, Sassy by Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, kind of yeah. like Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, but, and it falls uh, into the Finding Dory realm and, and all that and the Journey movies. And yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think that would be great. Yeah, I really love the Paul Rudd casting. I think that is spot on, especially having a sequel in San Francisco. Nothing says Paul Rudd in San Francisco like Hello Kitty. And nothing says looking back on a long, beautiful life like Chris Evans. That's right. That's right. I don't think I will. (laughs) Do we have to spoiler alert that? feel like we do. Pretty recent. I, I don't know. I think. It could be any movie. It could be any movie. It's it's gifted. Is that was that what it was? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that movie he did with the kid, where is a whole family of X Men. No, it was a uh, he was on that train. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the Willy Wonka spinoff. That's the one. While we're tangentially making references to Snowpiercer, I just have to plug uh, a video I saw by Rhino Stew. That's S-T-E-W. Um, and uh, it's called Why Snowpiercer is a Sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. If you like the kind of headcanon that we do on this show, I highly recommend you check his stuff out because uh, it is uh, just mind-blowing headcanon about Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka. And uh, yeah, definitely look at that because I'm a fan. I'm a fan, and I 100% buy the headcanon that he did there. So... That's our free plug for no reason. Thanks, Rhino Stu. We like you. Uh, do you have any other uh, recast remake? No, man. I forgot what segment we were in. <laughs> kind of going back to the I, the, the Rugrats route. Mm-hmm. I think that just having a Homeward Bound either live action series or even animated series I think would be fun to see just from the the perspective of the animals and everyday life. Um, I just always thought that was fascinating when watching Rugrats, just like baby's perspectives of what things are. I think that an animal's perspective of just everything would be really interesting. Um, and I think that Homeward Bound, those cast of characters uh, are perfect because uh, the relationships perfect. are so great. Perfect. Oh, Grayson, thank you. Yes, it's exactly that. You should see how I'm spelling perfect. It's like a slew of U's and even more R's. It's mostly vowels, very few consonants. Very expensive Uh, on Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) All right, now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Homeward Bound? Colon, The Incredible Journey. I'd recommend this movie because it is, at its core, the story of an outsider uh, finding family despite a troubled past. And uh, that's a very moving story. And if you had to pick one character to where, like, this is their story, it's Chance. He's got the primary narration. He uh, is the one who changes the most. He has to learn to be a dog, really. And uh, I felt a lot of connection between this and Toy Story, just the entire franchise, 
um, especially Woody's frustration with Buzz in the first movie where he uh, Buzz doesn't understand his purpose of being a toy. And um, it, it's similar where Shadow is saying, like, this is your responsibility as a dog to be man's best friend, to be this for Jamie and to be there for him. And uh, that's very moving. It's, um, it's, a, it's a story of um, the connections in our lives. And I mean, they, they summarize it at, at the end, Michael J. Fox's closing monologue, where he talks about it, sacrifice, friendship, love. Uh, it, I mean, this is that's what family and and friends are. It's all those things, and uh, family is home. And the final line of this movie, I, I think, summarizes at its emotional core why you should see it. And it's it's his summary of all of his journey being for the first time in my life, I was home. And I think at their core, everyone wants to go to a place that feels like home. And um, that's incredibly moving. And it's an emotional movie, but it's also genuinely cute and funny. And uh, the animals are just packed with personality. Like, I, I... really hammer on the editing of this, like the movie exists in the editing, but they were able to capture so many uh, reactions from the animals themselves and then give meaning to them in, in a way that builds this really touching story. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I, I recommend this movie cause it's just, it's packed with emotion. And if you haven't seen it in a long time, there's, there's definitely going to be things that resonate differently with you, much like rewatching any of the Toy Story movies. It hit you at one point when you were a kid, and then it's going to hit you in an entirely different way right in the feels as an adult, uh, filtering it through those experiences. So, yeah, I highly recommend that you see Homeward Bound, colon, The Incredible Journey. Yeah. Yeah, the Toy Story connection is very strong, especially like when Shadow is stuck in that mud pit, I'm just like, are they going to Toy Story 3 us right now? It's just, he's lying there just accepting his fate. I'm just like, these toys are lurking into a, like, these toys are looking into a furnace right now. I don't think I was emotionally prepared for this. Howdy, partner. <laughs> no! Uh, but yeah, I I would recommend this movie because it is so incredibly heartfelt. I think that um, the animals in a movie uh as a device a film device i I think sometimes i think that can get uh kind of pigeonholed into the idea of it just being like just automatically not good like 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 the air buddies movies it's just like okay so you got dogs and lip syncing and now they're astronauts i guess what's what's really happening here um but i i think that's what it should have been called (laughs) Um, but I, I think that, um, animal focused movies can be seen as like kid stuff or like pandering to kids or just like dumbed down to Mm -hmm. some degree. Um, but this movie is anything but that, I don't know why I said it like that, (laughs) but this movie is anything but that it is so heartfelt. It is so honest and it's so sweet. Um, and it's it's a very simple, very lovely story. Um, and if 
you haven't cried recently and you're just like, you know what? I want to remember what that's like. Watch Homeward Bound. Um, even if you know the ending, which I did, I cried like a baby. Um, and I loved it because there's just so much strong character written through these animals. Uh, especially if you have ever owned a pet, it will it will hit you right in those those feels because it, it takes a lovely uh you know pet to human uh relationship uh or dynamic pet to and- porpoise relationship <laughs> a dog's porpoise is really what i want to say yeah. uh to wrap this up um but yeah it takes those relationships and 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 really magnifies it as as one would imagine uh the relationship with their pets especially as a kid absolutely all right that is our review of Homeward Bound, colon, The Incredible Journey. Let us know what you remember about Homeward Bound on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, it helps everyone to know that um, that we are out there and we are making our way home Word to your ears it brings new listeners homeward there it goes eardrum bound eardrum bound on a scale of one to five porcupine that is crazy i have that right no way are you reading my notes three for three how'd you rate this podcast now you would think that five would be bad but you know five buys you time for shadow to come break you out of um of of doggy jail. That's true. So. Wow, what a silver lining on those porcupine quills. I also think um you know each quill represents personal growth. So, you know, five quills not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one quill you know completely ruins everything and puts us into a situation where we could have defeated Thanos if you just <sighs> kept it together. <laughs> Uh, but five quills, uh, yeah, you know, there's some more reason happening. Mm. Of course, I am referencing uh, Snowpiercer. Uh, <laughs> and be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast. You know, Ricky, summer is such a great time for road trip movies. But you know what I think makes road trip movies even better? What? When you get to ride share that road trip movie. Uh, I'm thinking of Stuber. It's coming out uh, with uh, Dave Bautista and Camille Nanjiani. And I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling in the mood for some violent ride share movie. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The problem is with these kind of, you know, action films, there's always a uh, collateral damage. Oh. Yeah. Just called collateral, no damage. It's cleaner. <laughs>